Let's go ahead and get into this. Um, looking at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. I'm going to read through 28, and this is going to be the key uh, passage, the key text that we'll be looking at during this message series. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus is speaking. And by the way, I wanted to put this up here just to remind you, I know we don't all carry, you know, the leather-bound Word of God with us to church or everywhere we go, but I do hope that if you have it on your smartphone, um, that you could pull that out and follow along with us. Um, This this app has been monumental for me in my journey with Christ. I don't know if you already have your version downloaded, but I encourage you. Um, they're, not, they're not paying me to give this advertisement, by the way. This is just me letting you know that this has been something very powerful in my life. My wife and I are able to go and find resources here. We go through a lot of devotions together. Uh, there's marriage devotions. There's relationship devotions, anything you can think of. And it's a very, very good app to have. And um, it's right there on your phone. So anywhere you go, you have it available. It has multiple versions. I know we don't all... Um, like to read from the exact same version. And as a matter of fact, I heard someone ask Pastor Josh in one of the connect groups, Pastor, what is the best version for me to read? And he just smiled and said, the one that leads you to Jesus. So it's not a big deal. Whatever version you're most comfortable with, I encourage you to download this app so you can find that that version of the Bible that you would like to follow along with. So sales pitch over. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus is speaking and he says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. How many have heard this before, maybe in Sunday school growing up or something like that? This is a pretty, pretty common uh, passage of Scripture that we use to distinguish between a wise person and a foolish person, the way that they build a house. So Jesus is comparing two. He goes on and talks about someone else now. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And so what is Jesus actually saying here? I've heard this verse, this passage several times, and I've often just assumed that it's self-explanatory, right? Obviously, you don't want to build your house on the sand. You want to build a house on a solid foundation. When we go to build a house in this day and age, we don't call it rock. We call it concrete, right? We, find a con- we use concrete to lay the foundation for our home. And what, what I want to do just for a moment is I want to dig into the context of what Jesus is displaying here when he talks to a Hebrew audience. I want to show you this map. This is the map of Israel. Of course, it's, yeah, this is probably blocking a little bit. But if most of you can see, at the southern tip of Israel is what's called the Negev Desert. And in the Negev Desert, there is nothing but valleys and mountains. It's a very dry area. And this area of Israel gets between 15 and 20 inches of rain in the, usually within four-month period. So here in Ohio, just to compare, we get about 40. They get about 15 to 20. But we've, we get that rain in the wintertime, in the spring. I mean, come on, it's Ohio, right? It could rain and snow and sleet in the same day. But it rains all year in Ohio. But in Israel, it's all in the colder six months, specifically that four-month span. Um, but it's 15 to 20 inches. That's a lot of rain to get in a short amount of time. And so what happens, go ahead and show that video if you don't mind, Pierce. What happens is in a wadi, which is just another term for valley, you can see the mountain ranges on both sides. And this is a little bit of a shaky video, so try not to throw up. But you can see all of the mountains. And then as you stand here on this level surface, 
you can see that the, the, the earth is literally giving way and here comes a flood. And this is not just a stream, ladies and gentlemen. This is a flood that as the video continues, you'll begin to see trees that have been uprooted that are being swept away across this dry wasteland. You think you're standing in the driest place on earth, a desert, and then you hear a rumble and a shake. And before long, you're not just up to your waist in water, you're taken out by a flash flood. I mean, look at the amount of water coming through here. That's good. That's making me sick. (laughs) Thank you. So in this dry desert area, you could be looking, and if you are with Jesus and you're his disciple, and he begins to teach you about a wise builder and a foolish builder, what he's really pointing out is the, the geographical context that they would have recognized immediately, that you wouldn't just build your house on the sand, you would build it on the rock. But what he's really not, what he's doing is he's not just comparing the construction materials, he's actually talking about two mindsets. There's two mindsets that, if we're honest with ourselves, it's a battle that we face every day as well. Because what happens is, after the wadi goes through and the waters recede, recede, it leaves a, looks like a perfect place for a house. I mean, it literally looks like someone went in there and took out all of the brush with a bulldozer, cleaned out a perfect foundation where in this day and age, in Jesus' time, somebody would look at that and say, man, I don't have to do a whole lot of work. That looks like a good place to build my life. And so what Jesus is saying here is he's not necessarily comparing the construction materials of sand and the rock. I mean, we've all passed the fourth grade, I assume. We know the difference between sand and rock, and one's a good thing to build on, one's a bad thing to build on. But what he's really talking about is the mindset of the easy way to build your life, the go with the flow, the just trust my instincts, don't have to listen to anybody else. It's me and myself and I, and I'm just going to do what I want. I'm going to take the easy road, as opposed to putting in the work, digging into the rock, and finding a place to build your life on the rock of Jesus Christ. Amen? So Jesus is comparing these two mindsets, and when we talk about relationships, those are the two mindsets that we need to look at as well. God's word, and Jesus says this in you know, crystal clear language, he says, those of you who put my words into practice, you are the wise builders You can build your life upon me, is what he's ultimately saying. His word is an epic narrative that's filled with truth and teaching and instruction that when studied, when properly applied to life, we're able to live the life that he gave us the way it was meant to be lived. And it's true to say this, that God's way is the best way. He's trying to show us that there is a right way to build relationships and a wrong way to build relationships. Jeremiah even talks about this. He says, why then does my suffering continue? Why is my wound so incurable? Your help seems as uncertain to me as a seasonal brook, like a spring that has gone dry. So this is the context that we're looking at. We're looking at the two comparisons of mindsets of a place where you can take the easy route, but ultimately it's a uncertain area to truly build your life. And when it comes to building relationships, I wanted to lay out that context for us. Who has seen the show Nailed It? Anybody? One of my all-time favorite shows. My kids and my wife and I, we love to watch this show. And the problem with that show is it kind of reveals to us our relationship journey. 
Because what Jesus is saying in the text I just read is that he doesn't want us to be impulse people. He doesn't want us to just go with the flow, and especially, especially with our relationships. He doesn't want us to just go with our gut feeling. If you've seen the show, these, these bakers, they have no clue what they're doing. I can relate to them. If you put me in the kitchen and wanted me to make Olaf there, I think that's his name, that's probably better than what I could come up with. Like, I got to give the guy props. I even see an arm coming out there. Like, he tried, right? He tried really hard. We just, we love watching the show because it, it is hilarious. Usually what happens is the, the people get going and there's a recipe to follow, but they start running out of time and they just, they just start like, you know, pulling whatever they want. They're like, you know what? I can't, I don't have time to finish this. I'm just going to do, I'm going to call an audible here and I'm going to make this happen because I'm running out of time and I want to have something to show the judges. And this one is my ultimate favorite right here. I mean... You can't even look at that for very long because it's just scary. And then my kids, this is my, my kids love this one here, the unicorn cake. Just sad. It literally looks like it's crying. Like it's just, it's, it's a sad, sad display. But if, if we're honest with ourselves, this is what relationships are really like. We, we start off in our relationships and we think, you know what, we're in love. We're going to make, like, if you, like you and your spouse think, you know, we're in love. We're going to make it. We don't need anybody else or need anything. We're, it's just, we're just going to live on love. Like, we're just going to make it. No matter what, ha- what happens, comes our way, we're going to deal with it. We're going to fight through it. And it's easier said than done. You look at a picture like that, and honestly, when I first saw it, I thought, that's pretty cool. I bet you I could make that cake. You know, it's a couple layers, obviously. It's like a big cake. It would be like the biggest cake I ever made ever because it would be the only cake I ever made ever. But I could do that. I could build like a, you know, a lot of layers. And then even if I couldn't figure out how to do that like swirly unicorn horn, I would just get a paper towel holder or something, okay, and just cover it with frostings. My kids would have no clue. And they would be like, man, that's awesome cake. And this is what we do in our relationships. We, we think that we don't necessarily need, at a certain point, we don't really need the recipe. We don't really need to be wise in the way we build relationships. We just depend on our instincts, and we call an audible, and we just end up doing what we want. How many of you, though, if you're honest, have ever made an impulse decision, an impulse buy? Maybe you fell for that infomercial. It got you good, right? I mean, marketing these days is severe. Like they can suck you in and they can hand feed you almost anything. Like how many of you ever watched that YouTube ad where you're sitting there eating some Doritos and drinking some Mountain Dew and then this ad comes up. Next thing you know, you're like, I'm poisoning my body. And you buy nothing but whole foods for like a week because that's how long it lasts. Like these things, they just draw you in and then you're just like, man, I got to have it. I got to want it. And if, you, and if you don't really take the time to stop and think, you buy it, right? And you go for it. I've done that before. In fact, I was I, I, I'm telling you, our phones are like listening to us and somehow they know what we want or what we talk about because I was thinking about something to put, I was thinking about a playground or a trampoline or something like that to put in the backyard for the kids. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a four-month-old. And I'm thinking, you know what? I will be dad of the year. And I see these pictures. I'm on Facebook. All of a sudden, this trampoline comes up and says it's on sale at Walmart. How convenient, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's on sale, Becca. We should get this. In all the pictures, I'm like scrolling through these pictures. The price has dropped two times. You know, it's what is it called at Walmart? It's called like rollback or something like that. I'm like, it's all rollback. We have to get it. Look at this. It's this, this, and this. And then all the pictures show these kids having the time of their life on this trampoline. And their dad's in the background just like, I'm such a good dad, you know? And they're just loving life. And I'm like, I have to do this. And so I bought the trampoline. The trampoline comes in the mail. My wife texts me, say, hey, the trampoline's here. I'm like, sweet. When I get home, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, get there. My kids are going to be all excited. But really what the box said was some assembly required, right? The box was a trampoline, 
but it was not a trampoline yet. I had to assemble the trampoline. And so I unpacked everything. I mean, I pulled everything out. I got all the structure materials together. A piece of paper fell out. It said, like, instructions on it. I threw that to the side. I got everything. I was in my way. Kicked the box out of the way, and I'm ready to go, right? I'm like, I guess the statistics are 65% of men don't even look at the material, don't look at the, uh, the manual, but they'll still call customer support without even looking at it, which I think is hilarious. And it's exactly what I would do. It's like, this thing is not working. You guys need, you, I'm sending it back. But anyway, so I, I start putting it all together. I have the whole thing together and um, I'm on like the last step and I'm stretching the actual trampoline. I'm stretching it around, you know, with the, with, there's like 150 of these little um, springs. So I'm like clipping them, clipping them, clipping them, clipping them. And I get halfway. Some of you know where this is going. If you've built a trampoline before, you know I'm doing it wrong because I'm going one, 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 one. And I get to like three quarters of the way and I am not strong enough anymore to get the trampoline clipped to the other side. And my wife comes and says to me, what I already know, but she has to tell me, hey, I think you did something wrong. <laughs> and I say, yeah, I know that. <laughs> Obviously, I've done something wrong. And she's like, yeah, I think it's too hard now to get those stretched. I think you were supposed to do like every other or like every fifth or sixth. That's what, she's like, see the directions. She went and picked up the directions and she'll see the directions. And I was like, yeah, but have you seen me? Like, I don't need, I don't need those. I, I'll, I'll do it. No, I proceeded then to follow the directions and follow the assembly requirements to build the trampoline. But it was one of those impulse moments. And like most good things in life, it required some work, required some assembly. Our relationships are no different. The issue is we are surrounded by the illusion of picture-perfect relationships. Like we see this picture-perfect cake. Uh-oh, where my pictures go? There we go. And then what about the family portrait that you see? We've all posted them. Like we both know that that was not the first take. That was not the first shot. What our family portraits usually end up looking like is this, right? <laughs> like that went bad quickly, did it not? And so, you know they didn't post that one. They posted this one. And we see this on social media and we think, ah. And young people look at it and go, ah, relationship goals, right? I can't wait to have that picture-perfect relationship. We're going to be in love. We're going to have a couple little ones, you know, make some little mini-me's. And it's going to be great. And it's going to be so hunky-dory and so fantastic. And then our life, it looks like this just seconds later. And we think, oh, man, I, what did I do? What did I get myself into here? We're surrounded by these picture-perfect moments, and it just doesn't always turn out to be what we thought it would be like, and we're constantly misled. Even at a young age, if you think about it, how many of you grew up watching Disney movies? How many of you still watch Disney movies with your kids, but you act like you don't want to, but you really do, because they're awesome? So Disney movies, even at a young age, think of Snow White, think of Cinderella, any princess, Prince Charming comes along, they barely know each other, spend however many, like they dance together and they wait for a true love's kiss or something like that. But, but what, we're, what we're being programmed to learn, even as young children, is that it just, love just happens, right? You just fall into love, like Pastor Josh says. It's like, it's not really, love is not a ditch. You can't fall into it, right? And then you can't fall out of it. Like, it's just... They, we, we think that love just happens and it's just a true love kiss and these people who don't even know each other, they just locked eyes and it's like, wow, it's miraculous. And it, it, it's, it's hilarious. Even as adults, we do this, you guys. 
It's no different in the, mu- the music we listen to, in the movies that we watch, in the TV shows that we watch. My wife and I, we love to, especially this time of year, we love to cozy up by a fire. We get the fire going. In fact, when we look for a house to buy, when we finally were ready to pull the string, we went and looked at houses. We only looked at houses. I told my wife, I, I don't care what else that is going on with the house. You can, pick the, you can have the kitchen you want, the this you want. I just want a wood-burning fireplace. That's all I want. And so we ended up finding one. It was in our price range. She happened to love the kitchen. It was perfect. We, we were like, yes, let's go for it. And we still love it. It's still, the, it's still probably both of our favorite thing in the house is to have a wood-burning fire. We have a fire almost every night, especially when it's cold. We build that fire, and we, and we sit down, and we, you know, after the kids are in bed. And she loves, especially around Christmas time, she loves to watch. She likes to ruin it by watching a Hallmark movie <laughs> every time. Oh, let's watch a Christmas movie. And it's like, yeah, all right, let's watch a Christmas movie. It's like the one time a year she gets to pick the movie every single time. It is not right. So we're watching the Hallmark movie. And I can call what's going to happen five minutes into the movie. I try not to do it, but I'm like, as soon as it starts, it's always the same thing. It's always this guy who's like a big city slicker. He moves to this small town, falls for this small town girl, this charming little town. He ends up missing his flight. He has to spend the weekend there. And next thing you know, they're in love. And then the, ne- the rest of the movie is him. Apparently, he's a millionaire, but he doesn't even have a job. And he just spends all this time with her. And he, buy- there's- he takes her on a- you know, this scavenger hunt to find out where they're going to have lunch that day, and then he buys her flowers, and he rents billboards, and their pictures on the billboard. It's like, and then the, you're watching the movie, and Becca looks at me like, and I'm like, that dude's got game. I, no one can compete with that. Why? Because it's not real. It's a movie. It's a fairy tale, and somehow we, we think that that is the picture-perfect relationship that everybody really wants, and so it's funny to me, and here's the, here's the problem that we face we fall for the compatibility misconception. And these movies are filled with constant stimulus response, stimulus response. And so what happens is, and this is true for probably all of us if we're honest, this is how the relationship begins in the Hallmark movie, in the Disney movies, and even in our own lives. I remember when I laid eyes on my wife for the first time, I was like, dang. She's good looking. I was physically attracted. As soon as I saw her, as a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, I had a girlfriend at the time, and she had a boyfriend at the time. And I couldn't wait until neither one of us had a boyfriend or girlfriend because I was going to call her up. And as you know, that happened, and I did call her, and now she's my bride. But she, well, as soon as I saw her, I thought, man, I just, I got to talk to her. Like, she caught my eye. And has anybody ever felt that before? You, if your spouse is in, you better raise your hand. Like, you put it up. As soon as you laid eyes on her, you were like, yeah, and, and, and it's obviously the same thing for the women. But actually, they say men fall in love by what they see, and women fall in love by what they hear. And so what happens is, for most of us, we enter into a relationship, and we begin to build the foundation of the relationship on the physical attraction and the emotional attachment. And science tells us that this lasts between six weeks and 18 months. Scientists tell us that actually, during this time, the neurons in our brain create a high. And it even changes like the endorphin levels and the melatonin levels to where we can stay up later and talk to them on the phone and never be tired, you know. And as soon as you wake up, it's a good morning text. And by the way, between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., before I woke up to text you, I wrote you a poem, right? And it's just like this infatuation mode that we live in. And what's, what's, what's crazy is this is not 
wrong in and of itself. This is a natural phenomenon to be attracted and emotionally attached to one another. It happens. But what's wrong is when we let this stay here and let it become the foundation of our relationships. And it's a constant stimulus response based on instinct. If I feel it, I do it. And I don't care if it's wrong or right, you know, they're going to accept me. Why? Because they are going to be the right person for me. And that's the first lie is we think we just got to find the right person. They just, they, they, they have to be the right person because everything, they're so nice to me. They're so sweet to me. Everything I say, they laugh at. They think I'm so charming and, you know, so sweet. And we just can go on and on and we can live this way forever because really between six weeks and 18 months, most of us are either engaged or married by then. Right? You don't really hear of engagements lasting very long anymore. It's usually a pretty, like, as soon as, soon as you meet, you're, you're, if you're serious about it, you're ready to get married. And what's, what's, what's wrong about that is that if we don't take the time to consider the other parts of our lives and what else might be part of building relationships, we let this become the foundation and we start to think, oh, it's just about finding the right person and this person will complete me. I don't have to work on myself because whatever I lack at, they're good at. They complete me. I don't need to develop myself. I don't need to worry about anything. It's just whatever I, whatever I feel, I do, and whatever they feel, they do, and we complete each other. And it's, it's a misconception. It's, it's compatibility. Compatibility literally means that two people can occur or exist together without any conflict or problem. There is no such thing as a perfect relationship. I have never seen a married couple not fight. Are you telling me no one has ever, ever been compatible? Compatibility is a myth, everyone. We will live happily ever after. Once we're here, we think to ourselves, you know what? I am going to live happily ever after. I remember thinking to myself, you know what, marriage? How hard could it be, honestly? Like, I'm crazy about this girl. She's crazy about me. You know, we have dreams. We have passion. We have vision. And it we, doesn't matter what comes our way. We're going to take on the world. We're going to live happily ever after. Until we have our first fight. Right? The first fight, you know what? She, she's not so cute when she's screaming. And you know what? It's not so sexy when she threw the hairdryer at me. And she's thinking, you know what? He's kind of a jerk. I never knew he had a temper. I never knew he could get that offended over that tiny little thing, right? And before long, we start to realize, man, what did we get ourselves into here? And what's wrong is our foundation is not correct. Because when you look at these two, emotional and physical, it's all about you. When your foundation is physical, only one person can fit on this foundation. What about emotional? Same thing. I'm rather large. But still, it's only room for me here. It's all about my needs, what I want. And the moment they stop fulfilling my needs, I say, I didn't find the right person. It's now time to exit the relationship. And here's what the enemy has tried to do with our relationships. He's tried to make our relationships disposable. So the moment we no longer feel good or the moment they no longer look as good, we exit the relationship because we think it's disposable. Your relationships are not disposable. Amen? 
So the problem is that we believe this compatibility misconception. We think we're going to live happily ever after. And it's a myth that causes us to build our relationships incorrectly. We have our first fight, right? We start to realize, man, we can't communicate very good. We probably should have figured out, you know, how we were going to work things out and how we were going to communicate. And we've never even spent any time talking about how we were going to face troubles and tribulations and things that come. And then, next thing you know, their family's crazy. Their friends are immature. What did I get myself into, right? I had no idea that marriage was going to be this hard. I mean, I think... They, there's a lot of bad influences on them that they, they should probably have, I wish they would have dealt with before we got married. They've brought a lot of baggage into this marriage. And so what we do is we think, I know how to fix that. Let's go find a church. Let's go find a place to belong. Obviously a really good thing. And let's try to bring that into our relationship. And hopefully this thing doesn't fall down. Or we try to carry God with us into our relationships and invite him in when he was never wanting to be invited into our relationship. He was always waiting to become the foundation of our relationship. The moment we were attracted to one another. God does not want to be invited into our marriages. He wants to become the foundation of our marriage. Somebody say amen. Amen. So we can then begin to build our relationship correctly. I want to just say this. I just want to stop here and say this. If your marriage started off on the wrong foundation. It is not too late. If you're in a relationship now and you're not married, here's the marriage advice that I will give you. I've only been married about six years. And you might think, what does he have to say about marriage? Here's what I know about marriage. Marriage is a covenant relationship. And a covenant means forever. So you don't have to dispose of your relationship. You can start over today and make Christ your foundation of your relationship. It is never too late. I don't care if you've been married 60 years or six years. If it was built incorrectly, God says there's a better way, and it starts with building on the rock. Amen? It is not too late for you. If you're dating, here's your excuse to break up. You already have felt it, especially if you've been fighting. You've already kind of gone, I don't know. I'm not saying you have to be broken up forever, but break up until you get to a place where spiritually you are rooted in Christ. Amen? If you're married, don't break up. As a matter of fact, if you really want to know the best way to figure out if you're married to the right person, I want you to go home after the service. I want you to find your marriage certificate. I want you to get it out. It's the thing you, t- you, you sign at the courthouse. I want you to get it out. I want you to look where it says your name and then look across and look at the name that's written there. And if that's the person, if the name is there, matches the person that you're married to, you married the right person. Isn't that good? It's, it's a perfect way to find out if you marry the right person. So don't dispose of a relationship. That's exactly... And now, by all means, if you're in an abusive relationship or there's other things there, uh, that's not, I'm not talking... To, I'm talking to someone who knows that their foundation is not correct, but they know who can fix it. Amen? Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So it doesn't start with them. 
man, I just got to go find the right person. I didn't marry the right person. Why don't you become the right person? Why don't you let God transform you? And then before they, you start changing somebody else or trying to change your spouse, let God change you, transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So instead of getting hung up on the compatibility misconception, let's instead take part in God's commitment process where it goes from stimulus response to stimulus pause response. Now we're taking the time to stop and listen for God's voice. Proverbs 13, 16, wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. And one of my all-time portions of scripture is in Proverbs Chapter 3, verse 5. I love the way the message paraphrase puts it. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. So instead of getting hung up on the compatibility misconception, we take part in God's commitment process I don't know if you know this, I think you do, but we are triune beings. We have a body, soul, and spirit. So we need to go from instinct to intimacy and no longer act like animals thinking that physical and emotional is where it all begins and where it all has to stay, but allow that to be built upon an already established connection of intimacy. You and I have an intelligent mind that we need to utilize the moments that we hit pause. Stimulus, pause, response. This is the opportunity for us to hit pause and think about what God wants for us. God wants to be the foundation of your relationship. Colossians 2.6 says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Goes on to say there, then you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. What's amazing about the moment you decide to make God your foundation is that when you set up shop and you're ready to begin a family, you're ready for a relationship, there's plenty of room up here. I've got room up here for my wife, Becca. I've got room up here for Joshua, Madeline, Evelyn. And that, that's probably it. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> we'll see. And if anything happens along the way, you get to fall back on God and know that he's got your back. You know that you're built on a solid rock foundation. And then you can begin to build things in your life filtered through the Holy Spirit, filtered through the lens of Scripture. You can begin to get into the connect groups, Start to network, find a good church, start to build those relationships with the people who want to come alongside you and 
be a part of your marriage and, and, and encourage you and build you up and strengthen you. Let your foundation be spiritual and social. Then you begin, your communication will be way better when you have the Holy Spirit involved in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships. And then when you have the solid foundation, it is so much easier when you're in a safe covenant relationship. You cannot wait to give yourself emotionally and physically in an intimate relationship in the confines of a covenant relationship. And it's a celebration and it's exciting and it's fun when you get to be intimate lovers with the person who has built your life on the rock. And together you get to stand hand in hand and serve your community and, and be a part of your church and serve God together because your relationship is built on the rock. Amen? In order for you and I to have meaningful friendships, successful, lasting marriages, we have to make the choice today, either my way or God's way, and we must choose commitment over compatibility. And I understand this morning that it's quite possible for you to view this as nearly impossible. But my Bible says nothing is impossible. With God, all things are possible. In order for it to even happen, you have to first commit yourself to your creator because you can't possibly lead and partner with somebody in life if you don't even know who you are. And you couldn't possibly even know who you are if you do not know who he is. And he has created you and called you for a purpose. And when you experience that relationship with Jesus Christ, your relationships will begin to make sense. And you will be able to build your relationship correctly. I'd like to pray a prayer of commitment over those of us who are ready to recommit our lives to building our relationships on God. And also, if you're sitting next to your spouse or your significant other, I encourage you to reach over, grab their hand, put your arm around them, and let's build some unity of relationships. You know, I, this isn't in my notes, but I, I've just begun to take this personally because the enemy is attacking our relationships. If you want to take down the gospel, you take down the family. If you want to take down the family, you take down the marriage. And I'm going to put my foot down this morning and say, not this church, not the body of Christ. Our relationships are not disposable. We are going to choose today to commit our lives, to take part in God's commitment process and build our relationships on the rock. 